Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. Welcome in to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan uh, brought to you by, of course, the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and our good friends over at David Hobbs Honda in Glendale. Uh, you know, the weather was a little bit iffy earlier. Uh, great idea. Check out Great Lakes Dragway on Facebook and uh, find out when they're running today. There should probably definitely be cars on the track. And uh, if you can't make it out there for some good racing and some great food, it is a great day to buy either a, a new Honda or a used car, and they've got a used car, all types, flavors, shapes, anything you could want. David Hobbs Honda. You can visit them at davidhobbshonda.com as well. Uh, like I said, Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb, in for Steve Zaki today, who is uh, causing trouble down in Iowa and uh Let's find out what kind of trouble he's causing as we turn to the Great Midwest Bank hotline and welcome in the Z-Man. Steve, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. How about you, Jeffrey? Oh, uh, you know, I'm not having as much fun as you are hanging out with the rich and famous in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, but uh, <laughs> why don't you uh, fill everybody in on what you're doing down there? Well, I'm at the 2019 National Sprint Car Hall of Fame induction ceremonies, which are occurring now at the uh just outside of i guess this would be turn four at the knoxville raceway in knoxville iowa and the easiest way to explain where knoxville iowa is if you take iowa which is kind of like a rectangle draw an x on it right in the center of the x uh would be kind of where knoxville is right in the middle of the state just about half hour a little bit i guess it'd be southeast of des moines Okay, and uh, what kind of trouble are you finding yourself in so far? You haven't called me for bail money, but I know the weekend is young. Well, there's a uh, there was only I've only known a really one person ever get himself into trouble in Iowa, and you uh, you look he's a he, uh, a media member, and uh, <laughs> but other than that, it's it's pretty hard. I guess in the '80s they used to be pretty wild here during the Knoxville Nationals and that when they had their a lot of drinking parties, wet t-shirt contests, and whatnot. But uh, Iowa, Iowa today in 2019 is pretty tame. 
Okay. Well, that's unfortunate, but I'm sure you'll liven that up as best as you can. Uh, you know, I don't want to uh, say you've got a um, a reputation for livening, <laughs> livening stuff up like that, but I'm sure you'll do what you can there, Steve. Um, let's, uh, before we, you know, get into everything else that you're doing at the uh, Hall of Fame, why don't we take a quick look back at the uh, Indianapolis 500? Uh, first of all, what a race, you know. Yeah, how about that? Um, I think uh, it was uh, between our picks to see who won, and it could go, it could have gone either way uh, Going looking at those last uh, 20 laps, didn't it? Oh, man, with the way that the uh, Rossi and Pagano were just trading the lead back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, you know, it, it was funny because this is probably now – I want to say maybe like, you know, at least since the 100th annual, but probably a few years before that where, you know, uh, Memorial Day Sunday is such, you know, it's the, the biggest day in auto racing. And, you know, I, you know me, I, I, I could care less about the F1 race in the morning. But so for me, the fun starts with the Indy 500. And then about halfway through the uh, World 600, at night for NASCAR, probably each of like the last five or eight years, I just sit there and I'm halfway through that race thinking, you know, they need to move this race either to Saturday or Monday because for them to sit there and follow up a thrilling Indianapolis 500, it just makes NASCAR look boring, in my opinion. Yeah, from Mr. NASCAR, too. It was... uh yeah, it was a bit of a brutal, brutal race. Um, but yeah, the the, the five hundred certainly. I mean, let, let, let's. And there was a little bit of the old, uh, you know, the, if if the first half of the race is boring, but the second half is is okay or you know, exciting, then it's a good race. But you know, I, I think sometimes we may get a little spoiled, uh, thinking it has to be you know the greatest race ever from lap one to two hundred. So, uh, you know, there's lots of strategies and whatnot that need to be played out. Plus, there, you know, you, you, you had the weather variable, which, well, go figure, the weathermen had it wrong. So even going up to that morning, they were saying, oh, I don't, we don't even think this race is going to get done, uh, completed at the full 200 laps, and it, it did without a problem, not even a sprinkle. So go figure. Well, yeah, you know, it uh, it's funny because, you know, like I said, we're uh... – you know, following the Indy 500, that the 600 miler for NASCAR is a boring. Uh, it just it seems like everything is just kind of going IndyCar's way. And you mentioned it. You know, they were supposed to have uh, there was supposed to be at least one, uh, you know, basic weather delay, if not a full cancellation. And Mother Nature did her part. She held out. It turned out to be a gorgeous day for racing down there. And then they put on one heck of a show, and, uh, you know, the crowds were huge, and it was just, everything about it was just, just blew NASCAR out of the water. And, uh, you know, I obviously I know it's tradition that you got the 500, then you have the 600 the same night, but, you know, if NASCAR is going to continue to get embarrassed like that, for, and obviously IndyCar spends the whole month of May in, uh, you know, down there in Indianapolis, getting ready for the 500. They got the Grand Prix at Indy two weeks beforehand. 
but you've got all the, the testing, the practice, the qualifying, bump day, all of that stuff was thrilling, and uh, it just makes NASCAR kind of look like a dud following it. And, well, and and like you said, I'm I'm a big NASCAR guy. I'm I'm not, you know, I I enjoy IndyCar racing, but I'm not a big road course guy. And they run too right. many road courses. I want to see them on more ovals. And it, to me, it also showed the importance of oval racing in IndyCar because of how exciting the 500 was. Well, there's a there's an excellent article in Forbes magazine. If you look it up on Forbes.com. It talks about Mark, uh, the, the leadership in IndyCar. Uh, Mark Miles, who took over in, in 2016, I think, or 2015, and then uh, also with Jay Fry. And and the, the biggest thing I got out of that article is is IndyCar has been a, the big difference between IndyCar 10, 15 years ago and now is that IndyCar is proactive instead of reactive. And I think we've kind of had a switching of the sanctioning bodies where you have IndyCar being proactive, taking control of their destiny in their own hands, working on that, working on a, a better TV deal, uh, sponsorship package with NTT Data now, with Verizon stepping away, and, and doing all this stuff and, and kind of listening to what the owners want, the drivers want, how to make a better show and whatnot. And they're doing that. The TV ratings have been up about 20% overall. And, and it, you know, you have things trending upward in a sports world in which a lot of things are trending downward. And then, I mean, what sums up NASCAR better in the, in the last five years than them being reactive? Mm-hmm. They haven't been proactive. And every time people bitch and moan about something, they make, they do, you know, they change something. And they change something. And they keep on changing things. And that in itself has been frustrating fans. And and case in point in Charlotte, where you saw, you know, the first few laps, yeah, cars are real tight. Uh, you got three wide racing and whatnot, but it, it, it's to a point where, yeah, because they have to make their move now, because once the cars get a little spread out, they can't pass like they have. And if you, if you want to see the difference between the NASCAR that I grew up with in the 70s, 80s, and, and into the 90s, which was, you know, to me, their heyday is, is is look at some old races on YouTube, places at Michigan and Charlotte and Atlanta where they didn't have that issue, and they seem to be having having that issue certainly now with the rules package they have, and they they keep on putting band aids on on things that need more more medication and more doctor's care than just that, and and for somebody that that is a race fan. Not just an IndyCar fan, Indy, you know, or NASCAR fan, or whatnot. You know, that's why I'm here at a dirt track race, you know, at a, at a dirt track oval because I love sprint car racing and and, uh, and all sorts of racing. That's what I grew up on. So it's certainly frustrating to see where NASCAR is at at uh, now. And and uh, you, you totally agree with you regarding the, the it basically was a tale of two races on last Sunday. Yeah, and that's very well put about uh, IndyCar being proactive, listening to the drivers and teams and adjusting their packages uh, after obviously, you know, much, uh, you know, consideration, much negotiation and uh, fact-finding and all that, where anytime you listen to a current NASCAR driver 
One of their main complaints is that they feel like they don't get listened to at all by the sanctioning body. Like sure. they're they're completely ignored and everything like that. And um, you know, it's just it's it's night and day difference. And like you said, with you know, and obviously the indie numbers, uh, besides the five hundred pale in comparison on a week in, week out basis with NASCAR, but uh the fact is is that they're moving in the right direction and their numbers are moving in the right direction where NASCAR is still slip sliding away. And um, you know, I like you said, I don't think you have to look too much further than the fact that they listen and actually take into account the owners and the drivers' opinions on how to make the series better. Yep. So yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's a great point. Great point. It uh okay, so I know well, you know we gotta we gotta run actually let's run to a break and then can you stick around one more segment on your own show, Steve? Sure. Sure. All right, fantastic. We're gonna have more with Steve Zaki, who is live uh from the cornfields of Iowa, getting into God knows what kind of trouble down there. Uh I'm sure he'll tell me off the air their true stories. He um his wife Susan must be listening now, so it's the uh, the tamed down version, but uh, you know between you and me, he's on hold now, so he can't hear what I'm saying. But uh, between you and me, I'll I'll tell him I won't tell anybody, but I'll, I'll tell you guys all the trouble Steve gets in. But we'll be right back with more of the final inspection show right here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the final inspection show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb, sitting in for Steve Zaki. Uh, we're brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and, of course, our good friends over at David Hobbs Honda. Uh, we go back out to uh, the great Midwest Bank hotline. Welcome in Steve Zaki again. Uh, Steve, real quick, obviously, Simon Pagino, he swept the month down in Indianapolis winning uh, the 500, the pole for the 500, the Grand Prix of Indy. Uh, A, how rare of a feat is that, and how impressed are you by the Frenchman who it all got started after I interviewed him? It did. It did. And I think he mentioned you in victory lane, not on TV, but I think it was on the radio. Yeah, he should Uh, have, that's for sure. (laughs) But, yeah, the first pole since 2009, uh, at the Indy 500, uh, full winner to win since 2009 at Elio Castro Neves. Uh, and it kind of runs this streak. There's been a lot of polls. Uh, drivers that won from the pole in the past, but not, not, not for the last 10 years. Shows how competitive the race has been uh, down in Indianapolis. But uh, Paginal is an interesting story because we we even spoke in this show towards the end of last year. It's like, the guy was struggling and struggling mightily for the you know, mighty team Penske. And it gets to a situation where, you know, people start, you know, whispering, you know, how long, you know, can he stay with team Penske? Team Penske is a driven, you know, obviously, you know, pretty much the number one race team in motorsports, you know, and you wonder how long is, is he going to uh, accept you know, the, the 
what Simon was doing, the struggling so badly last year. Well, they kind of had a team meeting, and uh, you know Simon was like, "I'm not comfortable in the car," and 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 Penske is one of these where the the crew, the crew chiefs, and that kind of set up the car, and they really weren't listening to Simon. He goes, "I tell you what, set it up the way I want it." Well, lo and behold, they did. Guess what? The guy's winning races. Imagine that. Making the driver comfortable counts in, in, in racing. So, And that's what Team Penske was able to do. And, and, and the kid, you know, talented driver, and look, he sweeps the month of May at Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, you know, and obviously I, I picked Paj, you know, how many times can I pat myself on the back in the same segment? I don't know. You're going to sprain yourself. I know. It, I just felt uh, I think I might have tweaked something uh, just now. But, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, kind of took it took away from it for me was all the hype that his dog get got in victory lane. Did that did that little mutt steal the show? <laughs> it did. You know, and I was I was a you know when he won, I was a little frustrated. You know, and and I thought you know I'm like I I think I even tweeted he blocked his way to a win. And second thought, you know, he was proactive making those moves, and it was Rossi that that was following him. And it's it's like it's the last lap of the Indy, Indy 500. Now, granted, we had this discussion about the Kentucky Derby, a little different situation, but you know. And then when I saw Norman the dog in Victory Lane, I was like, "This is fantastic!" I just thought it was one of those special moments. And this ain't one of these, you know, PR that you know. Norman, if you if you followed the IndyCar series and been, you know, and, and been in the paddock. Norman is a rock star in the paddock and out by the RV areas uh, for the IndyCar drivers. And that Norman is a popular dog, and to see him in victory line was pretty cool. And then when they were cheering him and he started to bark, that, that, that's just a really, really cool moment. Now, everybody's saying, oh, that's so cool. It's not the first time, though. Um, actually, if you date back to 1959, Roger Ward, Driving for Bob Wilkie of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, leader card racing, AJ Foyt or AJ Watson, uh, Indianapolis mechanic in that team. Uh, 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 Skippy, the uh, dog, made it into victory lane along with his wife, Joe. Um, so they were in victory lane, not only in there, but also several times at the Milwaukee Mile in the early 60s. Skippy, the dog, made it uh, into victory lane with Roger Ward. Um, and then prior to that, I don't know if he was in victory lane, but Speedy, Speedy was a terrier of uh, Radio Gardner, who was one of the top mechanics and was uh, the mechanic for Boyle Racing in the late 30s, early 40s, especially when Wilbur Shaw was driving uh, Maserati to consecutive victories in 1939 and 1940. Speedy was a very popular, and if you look on Boyle Racing uh, on their Facebook page. There's some pretty cool photos of Speedy in the cockpit of the Maserati with uh, Radio Gardner, uh, his owner. So uh, dogs have been around in, in racing, but yeah, kind of a cool moment seeing Norman. And how, how can you not like a dog named Norman in victory lane? Skippy, Speedy, and Norman. Uh, Steve, I, I hate to be the one to break it to you, but you need to start drinking, uh, more often than you do now. The fact that you're able off the top of the head to ro roll off some racing dog history 
Uh, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure, that are listening find that very cool. I find that seriously troubling. Um, and, uh, you know, my God, man, get out more often. Uh, let's do a little uh, IndyCar trivia for uh, for you here. When was the first IndyCar race held, and where was it held at? What do you mean, first IndyCar Wait one more time with that. Where was the first IndyCar race held, and when? When and where? Well, the first national championship car race. IndyCar well, race. IndyCar race. Uh, you could view that a couple of different ways. If it, it happened whether... in Portland, Oregon. When was the first IndyCar race in Portland, Portland Oregon? Oregon. Where? What? What book are you reading here? I, I mean, I. Okay, what, like 1909, 1903 or 1909, something? June 12th. I'll give okay. you, I don't know, one-third of a point there, um, just because I got a grade tough because you know too much stuff. Uh, in 2016, how many races made up the IndyCar series? Well, I don't know the new stuff that well. I'll say 15. 16. Oh, okay. Uh, Detroit right twice. 15 weekends. Okay. All right. Uh, what is the current uh, sanctioning body for the IndyCar uh, series? IndyCar, all capital letters. You got it. Um, uh, okay, what trophy is given to the winner of the 500? The Borg Warner trophy. Yeah, that one's too easy. Steve Shunk would kill me if I got that one wrong. Uh, okay. What is, uh, that's too easy. Uh, what is the most watched race of the IndyCar series? That one's easy. Well, that's the Indianapolis 500. Who was the first female driver in an IndyCar race? Uh, Arlene Hiss, Phoenix, 1976. All right. However, Paula Murphy drove a Novi around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in 1963. What was the original sanctioning body of IndyCar? Triple A. Triple A. Yes, that same Triple A, the Automobile Association of America. Uh, cars in the IndyCar series use what kind of fuel? Uh, methanol. Or is it uh, corn? Yeah, eth- ethanol. Yeah, E85, yeah. Yeah. What was the average speed of the first IndyCar race winner in 1909? Oh, 1909? Yeah, average speed. Was that Berman? Was that Berman one that won? Because there was a bunch of races in 1909. Howard Covey. Howard Covey. I don't know. I I know uh, Ray Haroon was, I think, 74 miles an hour in 1911. All right. Um, The first... The average speed for the first for the race in 1909 was uh, 56 miles an hour. Yeah, it wasn't even on bricks then. It was on like a tar. They had a lot of issues back then because it, it was like a tar asphalt mix, and the, the the cars were tearing up the track. And they had a bunch of races, and they would stop it. They were they, they were only running like real short races, and uh, they did that in 1909, 1910. And they, it sucked. So that's when, after the 1910 races, they say, well, we need a, a stronger base to handle these cars. And that's where they came up with the brick surface.
Okay. Uh, how much horsepower does a 2.2 liter IndyCar Series engine produce? Uh, is it about 560? Yeah, five to 700. Okay. Uh, what what driver is the most wins in IndyCar history? AJ Foyt, 67. What automobile mogul built Indy Motor Speedway? Oh, Carl Fisher. All right. All right. Well, I, I got you on one, I think. So, uh, well, uh, I'll take my victory. I'll, I got to use the other arm now because I tweaked <laughs> the first one, but I'll pat myself on the back anyway. Uh, Steve, have a great weekend down there at the, hey. uh, in the middle yeah. of nowhere, Iowa. Don't run, don't pull over for gas in any kind of those children of the corn looking towns, yeah. please. Well, it looks like you guys are going to be getting good weather because they all say Iowa weather is like uh, eight hours before uh, Milwaukee or Wisconsin, and right now it is just absolutely gorgeous here. It's uh, clear blue skies. Had a little shower come through this morning, but it is uh, warmed up, and it is a nice blue sky above us. So Nice. Yeah, we got up into the mid-'80s yesterday, and uh... – that was a nice uh, change of pace. So yes, it is. It well, uh, you know it has to warm up sooner or later, right? You would hope, but don't this, don't expect it. Like it it is Wisconsin. This, I thought it was going to be like the Game of Thrones or winter lasts for years. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah, winter is the longest eight months of the year here, so it uh, <laughs> it makes sense. Well, Steve, I hope you have a great time. I know that uh, you interviewed the uh, museum curator down there. We're going to yeah, hear that. Yep, second hour. I think you'll enjoy it. A lot of neat stuff happening at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame, including the eight inductees going in today, including uh, drivers like Richard Gasman Griffin, uh, who was a popular West Coast uh, sprint car driver, and uh, Jason Johnson, who unfortunately was the driver that was killed at uh, uh, Beaver Dam last year, but was kind of really getting into his own and won the 2016 Knoxville. Uh, nationals here and and winner of over 250 uh, sprint car races and and uh, our own Tom Schmidt who was a curator and one of the leaders behind the Sprint Car Hall of Fame uh, getting it off the ground a former employee over at Miller Brewery lived in Milwaukee for uh, many years and uh, he's well deserved uh, going into the Hall of Fame too uh, this year so I uh, hope you enjoy the uh, uh, interview with uh, Bill Wright the curator and coordinator here in Knoxville at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame. All right, and I almost forgot, and I can't since I'm on a roll. I'm uh, I'm one for one. I've got a one race winning streak here. Uh, Steve, who's your pick for dual one today? Uh, Alexander Rossi. Oh, okay, changing it up from the 500. I see. Uh, yeah, who's your pick tomorrow, for, for tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow? I'll take Joseph uh, Newgarden. Newgarden and That's pretty chalk because I think they're on the front row. What about Pocono? Ah, Pocono. Let's go Harvick. All right. He's not going to win. Stuart Haas is cursed this year. (laughs) Okay, sounds good, Steve. Have a blast. Enjoy that Iowa caviar, which we all know is corn on the cob. Have fun, (laughs) and I know you're back in studio next week, and because of that, I'm taking off. So, (laughs) ha-ha, sucker. I won't see you until September now, right? (laughs) Yeah, something like that. You know, we'll just uh, quietly avoid each other the rest of the year. (laughs) Very good. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, boss. That was Steve Zaki. Join me on a great Midwest Bank hotline looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019. Look no further. Call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. 
The fun isn't over when we return after this very short break here on the Final Inspection Show. We're going to bring in Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media, talk uh, a little bit about the 500, but mainly it is going to be two segments of wall-to-wall NASCAR. So Dennis Michelson, he's coming up next. You're rocking with the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Final inspection. Final inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. Almost tempted to let this song play. I kind of like this one. Uh, Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb. Uh, chained in studio today, Steve Zaki made sure that uh, I couldn't escape here so he could have yet another weekend being wined and dined, this time in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. So I'm not really jealous of him this week like I was last week when he was down at the 500. Uh, to make my jealousy even worse, let's bring in Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media. He was also down at the 500 last week. Dennis, how you doing today, buddy? I am doing fine. In fact, I'm almost recovered after the crazy weekend because I was down there for the Freedom 100 on Friday. Then I, of course, called a wildfire game up in Chicago on Saturday and back down on three hours of sleep for the Indy 500. And I'm telling you, I was so glad I combined everything into one because what a magnificent racing weekend down at Indy. I'm glad I didn't miss any of it. Yeah, you got that right. That was, you know, it was an exciting month as a whole down there. And, uh, and I was, when I was talking to Steve in the last, uh, two segments, you know, I said that, um, you know, if I'm NASCAR, I, I actually have to start thinking about either moving that race to Saturday, the 600, either to Saturday or to Monday, because this is like year eight in a row where the 600, you know, if, if you watch the 500 and all the excitement and the pomp and circumstance, you can feel actually through the TV, you know, the pressure and just the back and forth passes for the lead and all that kind of stuff. And then an hour later, you flip on the 600 and you're fighting to stay awake. It just, it's about, you know, five to eight years now in a row where NASCAR just gets murdered in uh, entertainment level from IndyCar. Yeah, I agree with that. But I will say this. I was thoroughly entertained with the 600. Now, I watched it the next day on, on replay without having seen who won it and all that kind of stuff because I was driving home while the while the race was starting and I didn't want to, to miss out on, you know, just catching the end of it when I got home from Indy. And the race itself was really pretty good, especially if you hold it up to comparison to other races from Charlotte recently that forced them to try the dumb roval idea. Um, at least I think it's dumb. I'm kinda in the minority there. But as a race it wasn't bad, but you're right. When you compare that to this unbelievable display that we saw, I mean, you had less than 20 laps to go without any artificial cautions, without any stage breaks, without any of these other gimmicks to, to get the field closer, and you had two cars fighting 
tooth and nail, and you had two more cars that were less than, you know, a half second behind those two. So you had such a, a great race. You had all kinds of strategy in play. You had all kinds of drama in play. And then you get into the, to the NASCAR race, which while being okay, while being good, being entertaining for Charlotte, was nothing compared to the 500 at Indianapolis. Yeah, I agree with you. I started watching the 600. I, I was working that uh, most of that Sunday. I watched half the 500 at home, came into work, watched the second half, uh, watched part of the 600 here, and then went home and caught up with the rest on the DVR. It wasn't a bad race, but in comparison to the Indy 500, it cannot hold a candle. And, you know, it's just multiple, multiple years in a row where that where that's the case. And I agree with you, you know, for the last handful of years, Charlotte has been one for me, one of the least oh. exciting worst tracks on the NASCAR schedule. And they actually put on a, a, a very good show. And I will say that the uh, the halftime when they came down and did the 30 second of silence uh, for all the heroes that uh, that sacrificed everything for us on Memorial Day, uh, that it was better than I thought it was going to be when I read about them doing it. Uh, it it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I thought that 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 was going to turn out. No, I I actually liked the way they did that. Um, I thought it was. You know, I wouldn't want them to have a halftime break in every race, but to do it on Memorial Day weekend, I thought was just the right level of respect and honor to show to uh, to folks because it's a pretty big deal why we get an extra day off. You know, we get an extra day off to maybe go to the beach, and that's only brought to you by the fact that a lot of folks died on Omaha Beach and other places around the globe to, to give us that right. Yeah, you got that right. You know, it uh, it's it's great. And, you know, I don't know, I got into it last week, uh, the first segment, you know, uh, please don't say Happy Memorial Day. It's not just a day to get drunk and barbecue, you know. This is about the heroes that died and all that, and I feel that way, you know, every day of the year and um, – it drives me nuts because I'll go to my kids' school and uh, and volunteer and help out over there sometimes, and uh, it's always some kind of party around Memorial Day. And uh, the teachers, oh, make sure you thank every veteran you see for their service. <laughs> no, that's not that's what the day's about, <laughs> you know. And these are the educators trying to teach our kids. So it, uh, you know, it, it it's amazing. But anyway. So there, it was a decent race, and there were a little bit of fireworks. You had Logano and Bowman. Uh, they got together during practice. They got together during the race. Uh, Bowman comes out and says, oh, he's going to get his, quote, you know, sort of, uh, I'll pra- paraphrase that. And then he kind of walks that back the next day. Uh, I'm sure he got his wrist slapped or whatever, but... Uh, you know, NASCAR needs another rivalry, and we I've been saying it for years and years now, and just when you think that one is is kind of coming up, it, it just it fizzles out. And, uh, you know, I, I think it would be nice if Alex Bowman uh, got into a rivalry, you know, driving the 88, uh, the old Dale Jr. car, uh, running for Hendrick and stuff like that. He's having a phenomenal uh, month, second, 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 and seventh in the 600. So he's showing that he's talented, he's got speed, and all that. Um, 
you know, I wouldn't be opposed to a uh, Logano and Bowman rivalry. Yeah, but here's the problem is I don't think you're allowed to have a rivalry because also at the 600, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. got on his radio and said, I'm going to knock that Kyle Busch has bleeped into the bleeping grandstand. And the next day, like all week, you had people in NASCAR chat groups and online on social media, on Twitter, tagging, you know, Stenhouse to the point where he kind of, he kind of let his uh, Twitter account kind of shadow for a while, kind of ghost for a little while because he was tired of getting all the heat. And they're saying, he should be suspended. He should be this. He should be that. Oh my goodness! For something the guy says on the radio, are you, are you kidding me? It, but maybe this is why we can't have a good rivalry in NASCAR. Maybe the fans have become too soft. I mean, you know, we're just talking fantasy football uh, with with some analysts, fellow analysts on on Twitter today, and I got accused of calling a guy an idiot because I said his take was was pretty idiotic. I wasn't calling the man an idiot. I was just saying his reasoning was flawed. But we're so sensitive today. If somebody says something to hurt our feelings, then we gotta have a, you know, we gotta puff our chest up. We gotta pout. We gotta get all upset. This is what is happening in NASCAR with the fans. So, you know, Bowman tries to get into it with with Boyer. Boyer tries to get into it with somebody else. Stenhouse into it with Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch into it with the whole world. You know, in, in the fans' reaction is, oh, I'm not going to buy that Spongey product anymore because he's being mean. That's why we can't have a good rivalry because we've gotten too soft. Yeah, yeah, that is why we can't have nice things. And uh, that's why Twitter, you know, it's a, it's a great outlet to, uh, you know, to sit there. And, you know, basically I use Twitter like the, the sports pages of a newspaper and, uh, you get exposed to different sports, different takes that you normally would not see. Uh, you, you know, if you you sit there and, you know, I, I'm obviously a Stuart Haas fan. So, but, you know, you get both takes plus and negative and all that uh, beyond NASCAR. You get the takes from the national guys on your local team. So you're not just surrounded by local media coverage that tend to be homers more often than not and not as objective as the national media. So you get a good look, a good 360 version of uh, what's being said and what's out there. But, you know, as soon as these guys get hit with a little bit of truth, like you said, everybody's running and screaming and, oh, yeah, suspend this guy, suspend that guy, and, and it's a joke. And NASC- or Twitter just becomes a, uh, a squeaky wheel with just a bunch of people bitching. Yeah, that's what I don't get. It's like, you know, go ahead and engage people and have fun. But, man, people get so sensitive if you if you disagree with them on something. And, and here's the thing. If I was a Stuart Haas fan, I'd be, I'd be happy that other people were ripping my guys because that means they're jealous of how they're doing. I mean, we just saw it with the, with the Cubs, you know, and Cardinals, the big rivalry down there in St. Louis started yesterday. You know, in, in in jest at the NASCAR or at the Cubs convention, Chris Bryant joked about, "No, nah, I don't want to go play for St. Louis someday. It's a boring town." Yeah. And of course, the fans were waiting to boo him. And of course, the Cubs bench, riled on by Rizzo, all got up and booed him as well during his first at bat. 
you know, but it wasn't mean. It wasn't malicious. People weren't throwing death, you know, death threats out or whatever at him. They were just having a good time with a sports rivalry. We're not allowed to do that in racing anymore. Everybody's got to be buddy, buddy. Everybody's got to be best friends. And then you wonder, like, if you look back at all of NASCAR history, and I know I'm an old guy compared to you, Jeff, but if you look back at NASCAR history, there's always been a guy that's wearing the black hat, and there's always been a guy wearing the white hat. It's been that way in so many sports for so many years. You know, but now we can't wear, everybody's got to wear a shade of gray. Uh-huh. We can't offend anybody. We we don't want to do things. But as, as much as things have changed, one thing that I was really impressed with at the Indy 500 that I want to mention, while everything has changed over the years, one thing has stayed the same, and that is the traditions before the 500 still give me goosebumps. And there still is no idiot during TAPS you know, screams out Freebird or something as 300,000 people are being completely quiet. So, you know, as much as things change, at least we still have some traditions that say the same. Yeah, I agree with you. we got to take a quick break. But real quick, I just want to add with that, you know, everybody, all the fans, uh, we all complain that uh, everybody is in this um, Bill Belichick mode where – press conferences no one says anything it's cliche after cliche it's just a bunch of coach speak you finally get an athlete that'll tell you what's on his mind tell you the truth tell you how he's feeling at that moment and everybody wants to sit there and string him up and beat the hell out of him because he gave you his actual thoughts it makes no sense and people just like to complain uh, anyway, uh, D- uh, Dennis, can you hold on? We'll get you uh, uh, one more segment here. Absolutely. No, oh, you're a rock star. All right, more with Dennis Michelson coming up after this short break. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Jeff Orlowski, the Polish Pipe Bomb, sitting in for Steve today. We go back out to the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Welcome back, Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media. Uh, so, Dennis, we uh, this weekend we've got the dual races in Detroit which is fitting because NASCAR is at Pocono, and starting next year they're going to run a dual weekend in Pocono. Are you a big fan of that? Yeah, I am a big fan of that, and uh, it's actually kind of funny. Pocono, at least, is a track that has historically had leadership with a good sense of humor. Years ago on frontstretch.com, where I still write uh, NASCAR articles every week, Uh, I wrote that the reason that the races at Pocono were so close together is that while the, when the traffic finally cleared, people could just turn around and come back to the track. And I got an email (laughs) from Dr. Mattioli who used to run and own the track that uh, he thought that was kind of funny and invited me to come out and check out their traffic control because it had improved since the last time I'd been there. So at least they have a sense of humor about it. But I do think it's a good idea that NASCAR is going to try one of these doubleheader weekends. And I think Pocono is the perfect place to do it. The fans that love Pocono will go to Pocono and will, will, you know, say they love this place. But on TV, it's a bad race. It just simply is. It's always been 
especially in this high downforce era that we have now, the racing hasn't been great because the track lends itself to being very aerotight and clean air dependent. Um, so while the fans love how they're treated at Pocono and they show up in big numbers, maybe it's better from the television standpoint that you only got one weekend of it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Pocono is definitely not in my top 20 of favorite NASCAR tracks. And, uh, that covers pretty much all of them. So uh, I uh, I definitely agree with that. Uh, Dennis, what's the latest going on over at D-Mike Media? Oh, my goodness. We've had such great interviews lately. Uh, we're going to have interviews next week. Uh, Brandon Eves uh, is the uh, uh, hot shot in the USF 2000 series. We're going to have an interview with him. And how about soon-to-be 12-year-old late model stock car driver Katie Hedinger? How cool is that? And, of course, still have our Indy Show uh, podcast for a, a semi-pro team out of Indianapolis uh, that plays basketball, and also the Chicago Wildfire Wildfire Fever podcast. My boys are up in Minnesota without me today, so I'm hoping they bring back a big W. So we have lots of fun stuff to talk about. And for uh, folks there in the Milwaukee area, if you want to get a real good taste for really good ultimate, drive over to Madison, Wisconsin, Next Saturday, uh, you'll see uh, the all-star game for the AUDL, for the American Ultimate Disc League, and you're going to fall in love with this sport. Short drive over to Madison, Breeze uh, Stevens Field right there in downtown Madison is one of the best sites. They've got a beer garden. They've got lots of fun stuff for you to do, and you will fall in love with the game of Ultimate. That's next week in Madison, Wisconsin. How do you keep track of all that stuff? You sound like the busiest man alive, Dennis. Well, I like to stay busy, and uh, yeah, we have lots of fun stuff going on, and more surprises down the way. Uh, always getting some interesting requests for some new podcasts to produce, and we're actually talking to its, uh, some folks uh, about an open wheel road to indie podcast that we hope to be bringing online soon. So, stay tuned, and also follow me at D Mike Media on Twitter because I'm rolling out a lot of my fantasy football stuff uh, that I write uh, at flurrysports.org, a great website. It covers a little bit of everything in sports, but really good on the fantasy sports beat. And I'm applying my analytical skills to fantasy football again. So lots of fun. Wow. And if you uh, know how to read between the lines, ladies and gentlemen, that means that Dennis is saving up for a private plane. And that, uh, you know, that way he can uh, do even more events more uh, all over the country in the same weekend. This has to be your first day home in, what, two and a half weeks? Uh, it's actually been a month. It's been a month since I haven't been on the road. So it's been, uh, been pretty exciting. The whole month of May just flew by because between Indy and between the wildfire trips to Pittsburgh for one of the games uh, – you know, it's been a been a busy month, but a fun month at the Mike Media. Wow, wow, that's nuts. Uh, sorry, I shortchanged you there. No wonder uh, Mrs. Michelson is so happy. But uh, I'm sure that's going to change now that you're home for a weekend. But uh, <laughs> uh, let's get to uh, to the picks here, uh, Dennis. We got the uh, dual races in Detroit for IndyCar. Who you got in today's race in Detroit? I'm gonna pick Scott Dixon. To win, he uh, came close to getting the pole, and I'm I'm liking his chances uh, today. All right, what about tomorrow's race? 
I'm going to take Alexander Rossi. And wouldn't it be hilarious if I got the drivers right but on the wrong day? Well, that's definitely possible, especially when you got these dual races, that's for sure. Uh, and then uh, the excitement, the fun, and and, uh, and everything that is Pocono, who you got in there? One of the most consistent drivers at Pocono, who I believe is 0 for 34 or 0 for 36 in his career as far as getting to victory lane, but he is always in the top four of the last three years. Mr. Kevin Harvick will get it done this weekend. Yeah, that is consistency, 0 for 34. It uh, doesn't get much more consistent than that. That's for damn sure. Uh, Dennis, thank you so much for your time and, uh, and spreading some knowledge on both me and the listening audience. I appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend at home, sir. All right. Well, uh, great to be on as always. You do a fantastic job. Oh, you lie so good. We'll talk to you next week, Dennis. Thanks, buddy. Be good. Dennis, uh, he joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019. Look no further. Call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. Time to take a short break here. When we come back, we're going to talk to YouTube sensation David Land. That's uh, coming up here on the final inspection show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.